Hi, I'm Ethan, and I'm not Gen X, but listening and watching Gen X Grown Up makes me feel like I am. If you want the same experience I've had, consider becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listener, to this, the backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going? Would not be a show without George. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? We all likely remember that moment in school when our English teacher passed out that first novel to the class. Whether you reacted with joy or terror, assigned material <laughs> no doubt had an impact on your attitude and enjoyment of reading. So in this backtrack, we're remembering and discussing the shared Gen X experience of required reading in school. Bum, bum, bum. We had a list of so many different <laughs> mm-hmm. books that either we remembered or that our, our listeners remembered we'll share with and our thoughts about them. And we're going to talk about our favorite and least favorite ones we had to read. All that is coming in this episode. First, though, this is the part where we usually talk about fourth listener email. That's an email sent in by one of our listeners. This time, though, I have another one of those ever so elusive iTunes reviews. I think wow. they Apple podcast reviews, whatever it is yeah. now, but a review. Someone took the time to talk about and rate us to recommend us to other listeners and nice. we'll call that out. Uh, the review this time is by user named Wah! <laughs> Literally, it's W-A-H-H-H-H-H. So that's the screen name. So I, I assume that's how you pronounce it. And the subject of the review is a five-star review. And the subject is rad with an exclamation point. So it's extra rad. Nice. <laughs> thank you, Wah. It's still weird to say thank you, Wah. Here, here's the body of the review. Wah says, great podcast, great content. Totally scratches the 80s nostalgia itch while mixing in related content of today. These guys really dig what they do and it shows. These guys rock and the emoji for throwing up the horns. So <laughs> I'm detecting a theme, a vibe from Wayne yeah. here between Rad and throwing the horns and we rock. I like it. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for that. Hey, leaving those reviews wherever you listen can really help our exposure and getting us recommended to other folks. So we appreciate that Wah took the time to leave us this <laughs> review. And if you would do the same, a five-star, a four-star, say one star and why you don't like me. That's okay. Just leave a review and let people know what you think of the show. It really helps and we really would Mo, appreciate it. Mo, did you it. get offended just there? About what? I got offended. He said really? why they don't like me. Like you and I are not even on the goddamn podcast. It's oh, only yeah. why, it's only John's important no, because i know they wow. like mo and george that's why they don't oh, like bullshit. me you're not of course they like you <laughs> it was the royal me <laughs> <laughs> okay let's rewind well would have been better if i said one star to tell me how much you don't like george or one star no, on mo that's or? the same point yeah. my yeah. point is you were not being inclusive of the entire group yes. oh. you were singling okay. yourself out as the grand poobah and mo and okay. i are fucking barney apparently <laughs> What are you doing to Barney? You- <laughs> all right, let's try it this way. Or a one-star review of how much you don't like all of us. Is that better? There. Is that- how okay. hard is that? Yeah. I-, I was just trying to take the brunt of the hate. That's all. You read too much into it. <laughs> 
Wah, we that's worse. Wah, because George got in my case. And then, wah, thank you for <laughs> writing this review. We certainly appreciate it. All right. Hey, with that good business behind us, it is time to jump into the body of this backtrack all about required reading right after this quick break. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. So it's the first day of school and you want to look cool. That means new jeans like Levi's on sale now at JCPenney. So young miss, what you gonna wear at JCPenney? It's all there. Up to 25% off Hunt Club jeans. You'll love them all. You know what I mean. Okay, kids, you're looking real fine in plain pocket jeans for $9.99. Just remember this one golden rule. When the time comes, you gotta go to school. See a smart advance. Smarter than ever, JCPenney. It's probably good to start off the discussion of required reading in school from the Gen X perspective mm -hmm. with talking about the experience of required reading. Mm -hmm. Now, I did just a minimal amount of research, and by that I mean I typed in history of required reading in America into Google. And the first quote that I found was what I went with. Uh, I know I did a little bit uh, more. Turns out that there were actually uh, requirements that were placed in different places. I didn't realize this, but by the 1600s, that's when children were expected to read by or around the age of five years old, which is, hmm. I, I think that's a little bit slower now because kids kind of read uh -huh. a little bit earlier in this day and age, I think. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, I guess, you know, the 1600s, right? Fine. Right. But there were yep. even laws well, in. You only lived to 25 back then. So you got to <laughs> yeah, start reading quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are laws, though, that were placed on the books in states like Connecticut and Massachusetts that required reading. And that's where we started getting some of this stuff. But of mm -hmm. course, back then, it was mostly due because they wanted people to read the Bible, which is really interesting because oh. the country's founded on religious freedom, but we're going to put laws in there to make sure you read your Bible. <laughs> so, and one of the hardest books to read with all the oh. wherefores and Ooh. and begats and vows. And right? <laughs> it's, it's a Don't super get me old started English. on the King James Version. I, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I We've talked a little bit about religion, but... I'm telling you, that King James old school version of that Bible, mm -hmm. that's some hard stuff for a five-year-old to figure out. Trust me. That's hard stuff <laughs> for a 50-year-old to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, it almost feels, we'll talk a little bit about the things we read, but it's a little bit, in my mind, Shakespearean. Like it's language from a time that I didn't live in, but they kept the language. Yeah, sure. And so you're like, well, what is that? What did that mean in context of when that was written? Or yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, of course you want kids to read. Reading is a skill that you need as an adult and in your life. And so left to our own devices, you would hope that people would just 
here we hear the skills and now you're going to go read on your own. But I think they figured out pretty soon that kids didn't necessarily want to just go read on their own. So they would start to go, well, let's require them to read something, whether Mm -hmm. that's going to be one we pick or one they pick or some kind of encouragement, because if we don't mandate it, then all they're going to read is just this paragraph to answer this question in a a book. And they're not going to learn how to read and consume like an entire text. Mm hmm. I would say that reading is important, not just for the individual child, but it's important for the society. I think Mm. a lot of people have talked about it, that human beings didn't really start making leaps and bounds in evolution. And I don't mean, you know, the original like physical evolution, but I mean, mental and inventions and stuff like that until we started writing stuff down Mm -hmm. and passing knowledge more than just verbal, because everybody knows when you tell a story from one person to the next, that story story slightly changes every right. time it's told around the mm-hmm. campfire, right? Like one guy, the one time the guy's hook is on his right hand, then it's on his left hand, then his right foot and left foot are both, <laughs> yeah. you know, cut off or whatever. Then he's just hanging from the door and it's on the roof. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's on the aerial. Where's the hook now? Right. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you know, originally writing stuff down on, you know, stone tablets or papyrus or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it was, that's really where our societal evolution stemmed that's from. Recorded history. That's the point, yeah. right? That's yeah. where you start to move forward. You see that there was that line from, uh, I think it was like Driving Miss Daisy when he, she's teaching him how to read. She says, if you don't know how to read, you only know what other people tell you. There you ah. go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. Now, I remember for a time, and we're talking here in this episode specifically around our experience as Gen mm-hmm. Xers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still required reading. And I've looked, it's a really diverse and different series of books that tend to get recommended and read today, we're talking about what we experienced as kids. Mm -hmm. And it was largely older literature and poetry that Mm -hmm. we were required to read. Contemporary stuff usually wasn't, we'll get to all that, but it's rare. Yeah. Yeah. Now now sometimes they would give you a curated list of books and go, Mm -hmm. you need to read some of this. Now, my experience was that was usually for over the summer reading where they're like, we want you to read two books or three books or however many books over the summer. And I was, yeah, well, now we're going to get to, we're going to talk about the kind of readers that we are, but I think we all are different types of readers, how we read. Sure. But I want to talk a little bit here about why, you know, George just talked about the preponderance and proliferation of knowledge, but why they want kids to read specific books. Once you got back from summer, once you got there, and the first one that come up was pretty obvious is reading comprehension. It's one thing to say, okay, I read this sentence and I got the verb and the subject. There's another Mm -hmm. to read a long narrative and understand, be able to follow a story and be able to to get what the writer was trying to put forth in terms, not just in verbatim the text, but in tone and implication and inflection and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then the other that I thought was the most interesting and why they pick, you all got to read this one book is because we would then build group discussion and analysis skills. And often I saw that my English teacher would sometimes read a little more into a book than I think the author intended. <laughs> but we, at least we would try to pick it apart and go, what do they mean by that? What do they mean by that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally have felt strongly for a long time that the current structure of required reading in schools, especially mm-hmm. at the younger grades and ages, is completely wrong. Hmm. What do you mean? Well, How so? So we're going to talk about it when we go through our commanding list of the books <laughs> that we were required <laughs> to read. But if you look at all of those books, to John's point earlier, they're mostly classical literature or old poems or things of that nature. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. When you're young, what holds your attention? Some story about somebody that you didn't know shit about and never lived through or a comic book? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Something entertaining, something more like your mm-hmm. entertainment. Something that's entertaining, yeah. something that you can relate to because maybe it's told in a more modern story in a more modern format. I am a huge proponent right now to this day of young adult fiction, things like the Hunger oh, yeah. Games, oh, sure. and Insurgent, all that kind of stuff. Those books, think about whose attention they have to hold. They have to hold mm-hmm. 13 to 18 year olds attention. Not easy. That's the kind of stuff that kids should be given in schools because it's better at the dynamic of holding the attention of the young reader, which then produces a more voracious reader. The mm-hmm. stuff we were given, holy shit, Moby Dick? Really? <laughs> You're going to give that to a fucking fifth grader and tell him to read it and expect right. him to become a lifelong reader after that? No fucking way. <laughs> My issue I always had was like, I always felt that the books I wanted to read were like almost thought of as being crap. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. I said, because it's, yeah. it's like the stuff I like I wanted to read because I read science fiction and all that stuff like that, that that was not considered like. Uh, it wasn't real literature. Worthy. It wasn't, it, it wasn't yeah. you right. know, like Asimov and Dune and stuff like that. And I couldn't really talk about them even in school, but they were the books I had in my backpack all the time because I would read right. them in the right. bus and read it's them It's almost this. like, well, that doesn't count as a book. That's just something right. you read for fun. Like, wait, right. what? Really? <laughs> That's. The, the problem is like, what was the intent? And I always felt, I always felt put upon when I was forced to read something that I didn't care about. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, well, do you want us to learn to read or do you want us to learn to love to read? Yeah. Those are two very different things. Yeah. And if you are miserable reading, guess what that teaches you? Reading makes you miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hundred percent. That was me. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like my kids when they were going through school, you know, my son loved the Captain Underpants. You remember those? Yeah, sure. my kid too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, the, and the thing is that, you know, some people are like, oh, it's not really good reading. I'm like, he's reading. Mm-hmm. That's all I care. He's reading. Yeah. It's not just yeah. that they're reading, but they're understanding and comprehending what they're reading to John's right. earlier point. And relating. And, and relating finding something it. in and it for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Even if it's humor or whatever, he's getting something out of it. Because I was like, the one thing mm-hmm. I didn't want to do is, like you said, have him just grow up hating reading. Yeah. yeah. And we talk about the thing about worthy books, unworthy books. One thing I always felt was lacking in all these required reading books I had to do is like, no one ever talked about why this was considered an important book. Not really to me. You know That's what I mean? a good point. They just said, this is a classic. Start reading it. Read it. And then we and yeah. we read the book. What happened here? What happened here? Da, da, da. How do you describe it? But not until I got to probably college, actually, reading that they, they would go into depth like, okay, let's look at this one sentence. And then you look at it and he says, okay, da, da, da. then you realize like, wow, that is a really amazing way of writing. You know, and now I start understanding it, you know? But mm-hmm. I wish yep. they'd done that way earlier, you know, maybe even simpler books. But again, like, why do people hail these as worthy books or important books? Sure. I always felt like they treated reading in the same way they treated mathematics. Mathematics is one of my loves. I really enjoy mm-hmm. mathematics. Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. a part of mathematics that, especially when you're young, you have to learn acceptance without reasoning. In other words, two plus two is four. That's it, little kid. Yeah. Don't ask why. Yeah. It just yeah. is. Fact. They yeah. did the same thing with reading. Moby Dick is a great novel. Just accept it without right. any of the explanation. And to me, reading should be the opposite of mathematics. Mathematics has a structure to it. Reading yeah, should yeah. be about inspiration and love. Mm, yeah. And I don't think they give young readers in this country, at least the chance to fall in love with the discipline of exploring stories. 
I don't give a shit if you know how to read 15 words that make up a sentence. What I care about is, did it make you feel something? Did you love it? Like art. It's the same kind of feeling to me. And I don't get why they don't go down that hole. Did the idea make it to your soul and heart? And did you, did you feel what the intent was? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I was at a a used bookstore a while back and the guy had, there was like a Harry Potter books there. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the guy started ranting about how badly written they were. Like from a literary, like, oh my God. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like thinking, I was like, you know how many millions of children read mm-hmm. these books and just, and probably did, maybe didn't read before. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, I don't care if it's badly written. I don't care if it's, if they enjoyed it, then maybe they'll pick up the next book and yep. take a chance and read it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, to me, it's just the fact that just getting them to read should be the first step, yep. you yep. know, whatever it is. It's the same snobbery that's in the culinary world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, if you're not eating a Gordon Ramsay steak, you're not really eating. Motherfucker, I like mcdonald's sometimes <laughs> yeah if it a makes lot me of times. happy would you care <laughs> right yeah when my daughter was little you know we weren't reading the moby dick to your point or the scarlet letter or any of these big books we were reading those lemony snicket books the little mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. series of unfortunate, the unfortunate events. events yeah yeah right because she could not wait she wasn't reading them i was reading them to her she couldn't even read yet she could not wait to hear what was coming next in the story and right, so right. she developed a love of reading through that and that you know school's intent is to help you become a functioning member of society and then but then they force you to read something that maybe you're not interested in and then they don't tell you how to do your taxes or balance a checkbook you know there, there was a lot of <laughs> <Right>. questionable choices <laughs> that we happened to uh, encounter in our gen x schooling before we get into talking about in the next segment the books that we were expected mm-hmm. to read and what we did have to analyze and talk about i want to talk about first just a quick round table to find out what kind of reader each of us is so listeners can have in context as we talk about these books <laughs> the approach that we have so i'd like to start with you mo because i i sure. think you're probably the most voracious reader of the three yeah. of them, certainly more than me oh yeah i mean i read probably two novels a week on oh, average yeah. Like yeah. one or two mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of slipped off a little bit lately but at, at one point like i was reading at least a couple a week, you know, just because before I had to go to sleep, I always read. And, you know, if I had nothing else to mm-hmm. do, I read. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was kind of brought before about like going through my brother. He was really into science fiction. So I started reading a whole bunch of stuff like that. And then I was reading Dune and the teacher's like, well, that's not literature. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Get out of here. I'm yeah. like, Did you, have you ever read it? Turns out the first <laughs> teacher never read it. Right. right. But it was funny because then I got later in school, like high school, and I had an English teacher that that was, um, he said that's an amazing book. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about like, oh yeah, he says, absolutely. That's, you know, I've read that four times or whatever so but yeah i'm a i'm a huge reader i love reading never got into books on tape though that's one yeah, thing I, yeah. I never got into that but reading for sake of reading yeah i'm totally in on it yeah okay uh, i think i was probably pretty poisoned by my experience in school i had some great teachers some great english teachers in fact my high school english teacher was one of the best teachers i ever had but she was under the requirements of what school board said you had to do and there was required reading that you had to do and so as such I don't typically read for, I say I don't read for leisure. I okay. read for information or I read for entertainment if there's a book about a specific topic. Mm-hmm. Like a fiction book, I tend to not read. I'll read a book that's historical analysis of this thing I like or mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. of this event that I know. Like documentaries, like so like film documentaries, the documentary book or a true life book. But yeah, I, I typically, I collect books more than I read them and I collect them because I want to have them as reference material, but I typically don't read them from cover to cover. But I do like reading historical stories 
stuff about stuff I care about, which mm-hmm. probably if I'd read that when I was young, now what about you, George? What kind of, what kind of reader are you? And I don't think you read as much as Mo, but probably more than me, I'm guessing based on uh, our discussions well, in the past. Yeah. I'm probably in between the two of you. I, I probably read three to 10 books a year. Uh, okay. It has to be something that, uh, I feel like I'm going to enjoy the story of, you know, mm. obviously I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't like to read stuff like you're talking about, John, for, I don't know. I just don't like to read unless it's something that inspires me, makes me feel an emotion. Okay. So in the same way yeah. that I want to watch movies or TV shows, that's what I want my books. Mm-hmm. I, I just see them as an extension of the same medium. I think school certainly ruined that part of my life for me. Mm. Uh, I will talk about it as we go through these things, but really I got through 99% of my required reading. Thanks to a system called cliff's notes. Like I could read that little ass pamphlet and write a book report, turn it in and be gone. And that was it because I just didn't have time in my mind to waste on something that I didn't care about. My mother tells the story all the time how when I was in school, I played sports, I did brain bowl, I hung out with the computer kids. Mm -hmm. I tried to sample everything because I told her apparently at some point, why limit myself to just one thing? Why not try it all to see what I really like? And unfortunately, the required reading in school tries to limit you to their view of Mm -hmm. what's right or wrong instead of allowing you to be inspired to find your own path. And I think that's a horrible injustice that they do to young people. I think it's still done today. It certainly was when my youngest kid was still in school. Oh, yeah. And it's just dogma. Really, it's just, you know, follow the system. Don't buck against it. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, do anything against what we say. Don't find your own path. And I think it limits what really wonderful stories are out there in the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I was also kind of lucky, though, because like I have my from a family of readers, like my dad was a massive reader. Remember the whole discussion we had? Right. right. He had you sort your own books in a Dewey Decimal system, right? His Uh, library. Yeah. He's all his books. So, and these. Like I was a kid that we got the summer reading book and they said, read five. My dad's like, no, you're reading all of them. Everything mm-hmm. on the list. Oh yeah. We can do the whole <laughs> list. But the thing is that we, but he would talk about it. Like we would at dinner. He'd say, Hey, what'd right. you think of the book? And we would have discussions about well, it. See there reading wasn't a punishment reading. He wanted you no. to read because he wanted to engage with you. So yeah. you got a chance to connect with your dad more. See, that's, exactly. that's the positive reinforcement, not punishment for not doing it. Reward for doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. So there was a couple books that where he never read. And as we're reading, he's like, Oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about how bad it was, but still, it was it was a way from bonding with my dad. That's awesome. All right. Hey, so now we've established the, the environment. We've established our attitude as readers. In this next segment, we're going to run down some of the books that we remember being on a required reading list and a little bit of thoughts, what we thought of them at the time and maybe mm-hmm. now. <laughs> Stick around. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. 
Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. Hey, get going, your style's going. You'll go far in favors. This fall, favors got it all. Great-looking shoes with stitched soles, padded insoles, and leather uppers. At favor, the style stand out and the shoes stand up. Favor guarantees it. Now you'll go far in women's ball casuals on sale for just $11.90. Men's casuals, $11.90. And kids' back-to-school casuals, $7.90. You'll go far in favor. Okay, we got a lot of books on this list. <laughs> there were a lot of books that we were required to read. There were a lot so. of books, especially when we sampled all across different parts of the country and who, where you grew up and what mm-hmm. time you grew up. But one of the ones I think was pretty common, I think we all had to do at some point, was read something by Shakespeare, right? That was definitely nope. one. Of, you're never required, George, huh? <laughs> nope. Well, I did. I, I had several times I was required to read it. Were you never required or never did it? Which one is it, George? Never required. <laughs> okay. Never required. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'll start this off just by saying I went to, during the reading times i went to two small private schools and so mm-hmm. they were focused on those remember those big reading books that you would get that were part of your reading class that had short synopsises or oh, okay. stories okay. in them yeah. that you would have to that's all we were required to read throughout oh, wow. most of my education until i got to high school really and then in high school it was just the summer reading stuff so my mm. reading experiences were i think much more limited than what you guys had okay yeah we certainly had lots of shakespeare to read in public school mm-hmm. when I was growing up in Central Florida. And, and probably plays of Shakespeare are one of the ones that I most enjoyed because it was like a movie. It was like theater. It was, I mean, it was intended to be theater. Yeah. That's the point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, say, I could picture it. <laughs> Not only was I like it, John, you dumbass, it was theater. It was intended to be. And the thing you mentioned, George, that often people didn't do, my English teacher did. She talked about how these plays were presented, mm. the actors, the environment, the Stratford-upon-Avon, mm-hmm. where Shakespeare's plays would often first be seen, that kind of thing. So I could picture it like being there more than just reading it. And then, of course, the stories, some of Shakespeare's plays, my favorite is probably Romeo and Juliet, because it's about kids being young, stupid kids. Now, it's tragic, but it's like you can relate. You know people in their first love or head over heels, and this is the end of the world if not with this person. And so that was one that I could actually relate to, and I really liked it. So mm-hmm. I liked Shakespeare's work. Not all of it, but much of it I enjoyed. Yeah, I kind of have a mixed thing with it, because I had one teacher that was just horrible. Like, we just read it and then had to write reports. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but then I had a, a teacher later that actually would like, you know, we would just take a small section and just sort of dissect it. And then you think like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. You know, like I said, it just took time. So I think this is probably the most mixed. I think people have the most mixed feelings about Shakespeare and their school experience. I think of any of these books I've heard. Well, and, and there's such a broad spectrum of his different plays over his life too. So yeah. that's, that's easy enough. Yeah. Uh, another one I remember pretty fondly is Of Mice and Men by John mm-hmm. Steinbeck. Now that was a required one. I enjoyed the story of, well, just the story of these two guys and the, the one guy who's taken care of the dim-witted fella and yeah. trying to protect him and it's pretty Lenny tragic George. at the end. Yeah. But we we also read it like a play. We read this one in class together. Very different way of reading. We went through the whole thing because it's a relatively short book as I recall. Yeah, it's not that long. We did yeah, it over the course of a week. We read through it. Yeah. So one of the books that we read that was really, I really enjoyed 
enjoyed was Fahrenheit 451 because one, I was totally into science fiction. Science fiction. Yep. I had already read it, which made it even better. <laughs> you what? <know>? Just cheating. <laughs> so, yeah. So exactly. So we said that one. I'm like, I get to read it again. That's awesome. I was probably not didn't really understand all the subtext behind it, you know, mm-hmm. but but there was the irony of the firemen started fires, you know, that kind of thing. And yep. the thing that drew me to that book was just the fact that the title is The Temperature at Which Paper Burns. Well, that, that spontaneously burst into flame right. Right, without introducing a frame. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Which I was like, oh. I said, that's a cool title. And then I got into the book. And as someone that didn't particularly enjoy reading what he was required to read, I liked the story of that because it was about people burning books. <laughs> like, like, I would love to burn some of these books. I think that would be fine. Not this one now. Ray Bradbury has some of the greatest science fiction. Mm-hmm. And I think my entry point to, to Fahrenheit was Bradbury because so much of the old radio shows that I would listen to were often interpretations of Ray oh, Bradbury yeah. short Ray Bradbury stories. Stuff. So I'd heard a little bit of that because he was a storied science fiction author. So there was oh, yeah, a lot time. of that. Yeah. Uh, another one that I, I remember somewhat, but I remember liking the the, the imagery was Animal Farm by George mm-hmm. Orwell, which I think we actually might have watched the movie also, in which case I probably didn't read the whole book. I just watched the movie <laughs> with the class. But it was, it was a political story that that I think, you, George, you kind of touched on, you know, so many books they forced upon us we couldn't relate to. But this was farm animals, you know, the pig and the chicken and the ducks and stuff. And they were kind of political strategizing and have control over the farm and that kind of thing. And it made it approachable, at least interesting enough. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Animal Farm is definitely one that we I read and I enjoyed it too. And it wasn't until I read it again, much older, that I, I understood a lot more of what the book was about. Yeah. When I first levels. read it, I was like, oh, it's kind of an interesting story. And no, the pigs are just as bad as people. Great. You know, and then, <laughs> <laughs> yep. you know but then reading more into it. And then, yeah, it was definitely something I read later. The other oral book we had to read was 1984, which was ironic because I read that was interesting. And then 84 is right around the corner when I read this book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're not close to that yet, I don't think. You know, I mean, that's not like, but again, I mean, with the time it was written, they, he had a vision that that's what society was going to be like. What was it, fifty years in the future? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was never required to read 1984, and I, I know all of the subtext and the references to it. And I lived through 1984 like we yeah. all did. And I remembered people saying, how close are we to 1984? And they would talk about it. And it's one of those, like, I almost picked up the story by osmosis, but I wasn't <laughs> required to read it. And yet it's one of those things that I can't bring myself to just dive into just because it's a classic. Yeah. Because it's, uh, my understanding is it's kind of a depressing classic. So it's, I don't oh, know that I would, in, oh, I would totally find a lot of joy in it necessarily. <laughs> yeah, not, not a joyous book. Another one we read was Charlotte's Web. I thought it was also pretty popular in pretty much everybody's reading list that we talked to that almost I, everybody I, had to read Charlotte's Web at some I point. love Charlotte's Web. That was an awesome cartoon. It was. <laughs> and as I said, the cartoon was pretty damn close. It was a very good interpretation yeah. of Charlotte's Web. Yeah. yeah. It, I didn't read no, the book, I, but I saw the cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's another kind of farmyardy thing. And it's another one that's on levels. Like you can read it as it is about the interaction between these animals, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the spider and the sun pig and all that kind of stuff. But then I think when I think back on it older, there's like a lot of good literature. There's a lot more to it. A lot of implications about interpersonal, you know, yeah. relations between people and supporting people that don't can't support themselves and that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's it's kind of it always reminds me when I think of Charlotte's Web. I really think of the what's the James Cromwell series where he has the the babe, the pig that he trains. Oh, yeah. oh, I think of that pig because he also found fame a little bit based on how good a pig he was. But Charlotte's <laughs> Web was I think we were forced forced to I see there it's baked in him. I was forced to I was required to read this. I'm going to say in elementary school even. It's a simple book to read. It's not yeah. a complex book, but no, not by far. Yeah, it, it can be fun. 
Yeah. Uh, some of the poetry also was often mm. big and required and easier to read because they're shorter. That's easier to get through, of course. But uh, Robert Frost was one one author that I got introduced to that I absolutely fell in love with his his poetry. And uh, in fact, I think, uh, yeah, I know for a fact there's a quote from a Robert Frost poem on my father's headstone, just because I was so in love with the oh, wow. the, the, the sentiment and the feeling behind some of his poetry that uh, it's it, it really powerful. And that's one I never would have picked up on my own if I was not forced to read, you know? It's good stuff. It really is. If ever you care to read any kind of poetry, at no point would I require anybody to read anything. But if you're interested in, like, <laughs> I never really read any poetry that I liked. Robert Frost poetry is that kind of, it's kind of grounded, but it's also like, oh, that made me think a little bit, you know, there's the imagery yeah. in there. So it's, it's yeah, it is definitely good. And I found a love for that. So that's one plus on the side of required reading. Mm-hmm. We had to read, this is a pretty modern, more of the more modern books we had to read was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Ken Kesey. Ah, um, Jack mm-hmm. Frost. or Jack Frost? Jack, Jack yeah, Nicholson, you mean. Robert Frost, Jack Nicholson, all of them. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I didn't read the book anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, check your Cliff's notes. See if Jack Frost is in there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like uh, Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School where they're telling him the teacher's going to all the books from you guys are naming all these books you've read. And he's just like, oh, yeah, one of our finest American actors, pound for pound. He was a big and tall customer for years. <laughs> yeah, Cuckoo's Nest, I read in my AP English class. And that was one of those. Remember me talking, some episode in the past, I talked about how our English teacher would actually invite us to her house to have a meal and watch a movie based on yeah. a book we'd read. This was one of those. We watched that Nicholson film that you were just oh, thinking yeah. of, George, uh, with, you know, Big Nurse and, and the Indian chief and yeah. all the, the, the different people and the smashing stuff through the window. And, and the nice thing about it was we had read the book and then we watched the movie like the week after. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was the first time when I got that like, oh, so movies based on books are not verbatim. There is right. some interpretation there. And that's where I first kind of figured that out. And now it made sense in the future. People go, well, that movie was nothing like my favorite book. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, it wasn't required reading that brought that same connection. But one of the first things I read for myself and enjoyed it was a book that was based off the movie Tron. And I I picked it up. We were driving to Kentucky and I, we stopped at one of them little, you know, roadside places and they had some books for sale that you could read on the road or whatever. And I, I, that was the first novel that I ever remember reading from front all the way to the back. The whole thing. I was so proud of myself for finishing that little thing. So was it a novelization of Tron or was it a story set in the universe? Okay. So it was that. It was a novelization of Tron. Mm -hmm. Even in the middle of it, I specifically remember, and I wish I, I hope I still have the book somewhere that they had uh, stills from the movie set. In the oh. middle of the book, like inserted oh, right. the, like in full the color middle. in the oh, yeah. middle somewhere. Yeah. I've yeah. seen those kinds of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. There was a short story that I remember reading called The Lottery. Does anybody remember this one? I, I, I put I it on the so. list. The whole point of the lottery is it's uh like you're drawing stones and whoever drew the, the wrong stone got stoned to death. The lottery was because they were controlling oh, population. That's from the Roman Empire. That's a that's well, based out of a practice in the Roman. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So th- this was I forget what the reasoning for for it was, but basically the lottery was if you won the lottery, you were the one getting stoned to death. Right. It's almost it was like an early purge, is what it was. I think one of those <laughs> things where they they got their baser instincts out and they controlled the mm-hmm. population and all that. But I remember like this is a dark story to be reading in high school. Like why are you? <laughs> 
why are you having me read this? But you know, at least they were, I don't know what the thought was, but I, part of me was like, why are you treat me like a kid? And then and here I am going, why are you treat me like an adult? I mean, I'm not ready for that kind of dark stuff, but <laughs> it was something. Uh, one of these books that was on all a bunch of people's list was Diary of Anne Frank. Now I've never yeah. read it because I know how it ends. <laughs> it's like watching Titanic the movie. I know how that right? movie ended. I have no reason to see it. Um, and it was depressing to me, but pretty much all the girls in our class have read that. Like it was like a big book for them to read. Not so much hmm. the guys. It was weird. It was like, it was a divide in the class of like all the girls read Diary of Anne Frank and all the guys read like My Side of the Mountain or something else. <laughs> you're right. I'd forgotten. Yeah. You're, I think a lot of girls in my class had read yeah. that too. I, I guess it's because it's, it is a girl's diary. I mean, yeah. of course it's during a tragic period of, of, of world war and strife yeah, and, really. and death, but it's a girl's, her thoughts as she's going through this. So I could see Weren't why. there's some controversies though about it being edited for classroom editions or something? I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't yeah, hear that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Me. It probably needs to be edited for classrooms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the books we read that I was really happy we actually read was The Odyssey because I was all in on Greek mythology stuff. And mm. so- I mean, the Odyssey. Now, I didn't realize that you could take a simple story and stretch it out to like 600 pages, but they, <laughs> <laughs> but they did. And uh, and my big memory from that was that we had a very, very cool teacher that we had to basically not do a book report, but we had to do like a diorama or some, we had to build something and then talk hmm. about it and how it related to the book, which is kind of cool. And this one guy, I still remember, he did a paper mache head of the Cyclops. And, <laughs> cool. and then he had the eye was an egg. And then he talked about when he stabbed him in the eye and he stabbed it in the class. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, to this day, I remember that. I remember that scene. Go. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, you know, the Odyssey is one of the rare books on this list that you guys are going through that I actually do remember reading as part of required reading in school. And I did fall in love with it. I was big into Greek mythology mm -hmm. as well. And I think it's because it appealed to the adventurous spirit that I had as a young person, a lot of Greek mythology, you know, talking about Zeus and the gods and Odysseus mm -hmm. in this case, you know, coming back over a 10 year journey after the war, it was a really enthralling book. Now, interestingly enough, though, I must have read an abridged version because we mm. definitely did not read 600 pages. It was long. Of any it's book. Big. I know yeah, the it's, it's, Iliad was also something I was interested in, but mm -hmm. I think that was even longer than yeah, the Odyssey. Yeah, that was the war itself, I think, the Iliad. So Yeah, mm. so I... I, I'm a hundred percent positive. I did not read 600 pages of the Odyssey, but I remember the points of the story pretty yeah. vividly. So, so you read, you read the good parts version. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Edited for television. This book has yeah. been modified to feature television. Right? Right. Like, like the criterion version of the Cliff's notes version of the Odyssey. Ah, maybe. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned like the Anne Frank split. So the boys version of the book that we read in school was My Side of the Mountain, which I don't know if you know, it, but it's about a kid who basically a teenager, a young teen leaves his family and goes, lives in the mountains by himself. And it's about him hmm. learning to survive. He, he made a house out of like a tree trunk, like he carved it out and he found sounds like, like a my baby. Kind of kid. Yeah, he, he that found sounds a good. Baby. Yeah. Oh, it was really good. He found a baby eagle and he taught it like how to hunt and stuff. And wow. So all the guys read that book. <laughs> so, <laughs> but again, it was a really cool. I think the Disney actually made a movie about it. But it was like he said, it was like a young 
boy, which is maybe why the split happened, because that's about a young boy and I'm and Frank's about yeah. a young girl. But it was one that I remember reading. Actually, I think I read a couple times because I really enjoyed it. And George, next one on our list, I'm surprised if you didn't read it, but you ought to, as much as you love courtroom drama, to kill a mockingbird. Did oh, you ever pick that yeah. one up or require you to read that one? Oh yeah. That that's one of those. Again, watch the film if you haven't read the book. Just watch yeah, it's the good, film. Good movie. It's almost as good and it follows it really well. But it's it's about struggle for civil rights. It's about a murder trial. It's about this young lawyer trying to find the balance between what's right and what's legal and what's good and what's truth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's uh, powerful. And I, I don't think I was ever required to read that one. And yet I think after I saw the movie, that's when I did read it because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, is that what this is? It's not about birds at all. It's actually, <laughs> that's a, it that's sounds an like allegory, the inspiration right? for John Grisham's novels. It could have been. Really. Absolutely. I think it could have easily could have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now it definitely spends plenty of time in the courtroom, which I like about, you know, it could easily be about an attorney struggling with things, but instead it's about this attorney who you see him actually performing his craft right, right. there in the courtroom, which I like about, I didn't see in older books, you know, it was more of like, mm-hmm. that was like the end of the book where they went and declared you were guilty rather than that was a whole story was this cool courtroom legal struggle. I like that yeah. about it. And also I liked it. It was actually told from the, a lot of it from the point of view of his daughter, not from the main That's character. That's right. Exactly so right. Her, and, and part of it was her scene. Yeah. And her, and you see hit the dad's like, I got to do what's right in front of her almost like, you know, yes. and that, it was really good. And I really like this because I really love this book. And I was very happy that like, I got my daughter to read it and it's one of her favorite books. So I was like, mm. yes, you know, yep. <laughs> I did something right. Yep. Now I have, I was really lucky in high school because we had a choice of different English classes when we got to like junior oh. year. And mm-hmm. I was able to take a Gothic novel like class. Ooh. And one of the novels we read was Frankenstein. You know, mm. I wish I'd been required to read that. I knew people in school that were required to read it. And mm-hmm. because I just wasn't a leisure reader, I didn't. But I understand there's so much more to it oh than what God. we have it's, extracted for the universal monster. Yo, know, it's it's like, yeah, it's just so different than the movies. It's like the movie is just like there's a monster and a guy, he's a mad scientist, blah, blah, blah. And that was about <laughs> it. The, the the book itself, like I said, it was a very long novel, but it's you you feel for the monster, like because he actually talks and stuff. And I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's not like complete imbecile, like he was kind of like the walking around with his arms from groaning all the time. Let <laughs> 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 uh, me kill people. Uh, but it was it was an excellent, excellent book. And so that was when I was really happy to read. So the last couple on our list here are ones that I, I don't even recognize as having read. So maybe these are maybe the moments. Charge of the Light Brigade? Yeah, yeah Alfred O. Tennyson. So we talk about poetry. And the reason why I remember this one so well is that, you know, the whole saying, do or die? Yeah. That saying, so- that's from the poem. That's from this poem. Ours is not mm. the reason why, ours is but to do or die. Oh, that's from this. It's, okay. it's from this poem. And I really liked it because it's about a military unit that's charging into a battle they know they can't win. Mm. They, they know ours they're going to lose. Ours is not to and, question why. Yep. yep. And so I just remember reading it and just feeling like, like wow, that's it's like heavy. heavy. You know, and you, yeah. and you you admire them, but then you wonder like, why did you do it? You know, that was why I really just really enjoyed that Duty. One. Yeah. yeah. Requirement, that's obligation. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the last one I had in here was one called The Metamorphosis. I don't know if you have read this one, but- it sounds Frank, familiar, Franz but Kafka. I don't remember reading it. I used to remember it was part of our gothic novel series, and we got to like mm-hmm. pick one. And my dad recommended this to me. It's a weird ass story where a guy wakes up and he's a giant bug. I kid you not. <laughs> the fly, <laughs> but he's a, but there's no it's no explanation for it, and it's all about like this whole. And I remember I read the story, and the reason why this comes in, like, and it's about his family, how they react to him, and basically how he keeps like talking about like crawling on the ceilings and on the walls, and how they had given him this weird food that he had. 
community and all this stuff. And then my I read this thing and I thought it was really good. And my dad, we were talking about it. He says, how do you know he actually turned into a bug? I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. Says, what if he just thought he did? There's the discussion. There's the and, interpretation. Yeah. And I reread it again. It's like watching The Matrix. You know, once you know what's happening yeah. or The Sixth yeah. Sense, I reread it again with that perspective. Like maybe he was just crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't science fiction. It was really just about a guy with mental issues. And hmm. the book, it just read like a completely different story. And I just enjoyed it all over again. I'll be damned. I missed that one entirely. <laughs> well, so you guys have talked for fucking ever. Yeah. And <laughs> well, it's about books. Should we keep going? <laughs> about a lot of books because you guys read a lot and I didn't read shit in school, which is appropriate. But we also got a lot of input from our Discord community. John oh, yeah. uh, felt like we didn't have enough knowledge <laughs> on our own. So he said, let me go We've ask everybody some. Missed some. <laughs> what their required reading is. I'm going to burn through this list as quickly as possible, because if we don't get out of this segment, we're not going to get to the final two segments of the show. Yeah, it's a list. Agreed. So I'm just going to run through the list. Here we go. Old Man in the Sea, A Separate yep. Piece, Catcher mm-hmm. in the Rye, Moby Dick, Grapes of Wrath, All Quiet on the Western Front, Great Expectations, Great Gatsby, Huckleberry Finn, Hobbit, The Outsiders, Old Yeller, French Lieutenant's Woman, (laughs) Madame Bovary, uh, John Tremaine, Beowulf, Christine, A Wrinkle at Christine. Really? That was a requirement. Yeah, that was something okay. had on the list. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. Wrinkle in Time, Three Musketeers, Encyclopedia Brown, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, Sun Also Rises, Bridge yep. to Terabithia, A Separate yep. Piece, and Catch 22. And I'm yeah. sure we missed some books on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought... read the whole list, but. <laughs> no, no, I'm yeah, sure there's we... more books out there that people had to require Beyond reading. Even that we remember. Oh, I missed, yeah. I missed Old Yeller. Somebody, I didn't check that one. That one's not checked off. So Old Yeller. That, oh, yeah. Was that yeah. a book? That was a movie. That's not a book. No, well, that was, it was a, book. a book first. It was a book. <laughs> was right. it? Okay. D- dogs have died before the movies. Yes, that's happened. <laughs> well, I know. But I didn't think anybody wrote about it before the movie. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through a, just a laundry list of what kind of required reading was out there. So in our next segment, we're each going to pick a book that we had to read, but had the worst experience for. We're going to mm-hmm. run through that right after this. Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Take Sears Back to School Sale, featuring great savings on your back to school needs. Like Sears Electric Typewriter with power carriage return and keyboard correction only $179.99. And Texas Instruments 16K memory computer $149.99 plus a $50 manufacturer's mail-in rebate. Sears 10-speed racer with lug frame or our chrome-plated BMX bike, your choice, only $99.99. It's the back-to-school sale at Sears. 
looking back on our required reading growing up as a Gen Xer in public school or private school or whatever schooling that you had, we've gone through a list of books that were often required reading. And some of those we did read, some of them we didn't, some of them we cliffsnoted, as George explained. <laughs> uh, but for this segment, we each chose, selected one book that we were required to read that we did not enjoy. It was the worst one that we had. <laughs> Mo, why don't we start with you? What was your worst required reading experience? Oh my God. Wuthering Heights. Emily Bronte. Okay. They, yeah. It was, it was, uh, oh my God. I can't even tell you how bad this was. It was like, I had to read this in the living room because my dad had to keep waking me up. Because I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I was in my room, I'd be passed out after like a chapter. Uh, and wow. my dad, because it was just, and again, I, I understand why people think this is like amazing book, blah, 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 but uh, it's all about like sorry. a relationship and there's this guy that most two women really like and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God. I said, this, you could just do this. I've seen movies that are way short of this. I like go through this whole storyline <laughs> and it's one of the most talked about books and all that stuff, but oh my God, let me tell you, I just could not get through it. It was, it was, I think I did like finally find cliff notes and just read that. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so it's yeah, I, I remember trying to read that. I don't think I finished it. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. It's, it's I, I tough. What was yours, John? So I have a brief story that goes with me. Okay. So mine is, it, it's a relatively short book called The Heart is a Lonely Hunter by Albert Camus. And I remember this was maybe junior, senior year of high school. And a relatively short book. This book is two chapters, just two chapters. But the first <laughs> chapter is like five sixths of the book. And then okay. the second chapter is like just a short epilogue, you know. And we were assigned on this one day, it said on Monday, so by Wednesday, I want you to have read the first chapter. So I just had three days. And I don't prioritize <laughs> very well or plan. George is already <laughs> laughing at me. <laughs> and so on Wednesday, I had I had read some of it, right? I knew who some major characters were. I probably read a, a third of the required chapter. I didn't finish. I just got bored. I didn't want to do it anymore. So we had uh, welcome to class, put all your books under your desk, take out one piece of paper. And on the board, it said, describe the events leading to Singer's death. Okay. Well, I didn't know who Singer was, let alone that he died. <laughs> you should have and, yelled at the teacher, spoilers, what are you doing? <laughs> I was supposed yeah. to have gotten to that part of the problem. And so being the legendary bullshit artist that I am, I did write a full two pages on the events leading up to Singer's death based on the characters I knew of without stating any specifics. Now, this teacher that I had, she graded papers with a red pen and a purple pen, red for things that are bad and purple for things that are good. Uh -oh. So when I got this paper back in red, it said, do the required reading. And I got like a D, <laughs> right? In purple, it said, very creative. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very evident to my teacher. I had not read the material and yet I was able to put together some cohesive discussions about the meaning of life, what could have led to his death without actually saying anything. So while I don't hate the book necessarily, I don't think I ever finished it. I, <laughs> when I see the title of the book, I have this like, oh, it's like a burr in my saddle. I'm like, oh, I feel really bad about that moment. I remember the sinking feeling in my stomach and I'm like, oh no, I was not prepared. That, that probably <laughs> saved you from an F. It probably did. It was a D. I got a D on it. So, so. that was my worst experience. Maybe not the worst book. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. George, how about you? Uh, yeah, my worst experience had to be Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter. Mm. I was. No. I like that. I was forced mm -hmm. to read this uh, thing in a completely different way than probably anybody else listening to this was. I was forced to read this at a Christian private high school. 
uh, for the first time. That was the first time I touched the book. And I'll just say that they had a different interpretation of that book oh. than oh. Uh, oh. most everyone else would I could have. See, yeah. yeah. Well, so it's a, it, yeah, the, the so, Scarlet Letter is an A. It's about adultery. So I could yeah. see some some different attitudes being taken already. There yeah. were some quite different attitudes being taken. <laughs> there was Prynne. a lot of good for thems kind of commentary going <laughs> get on. Get her! Get her! Hero yeah. of the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I find it ironic that uh, it's one of the only books that we listed that had a awful film made. I had a lot of films made, but it was uh, it was so badly interpreted that they stuck Demi Moore in a film version of this goddamn yeah. story. W- was that any good? I didn't see that one either. Was it I bad? don't know. I didn't watch it because oh. I was so traumatized by <laughs> the experience I had in high school. Uh, I've never gone back to read the book fully. I don't think I actually read every page back then because it was one of those where we took a week to go through the book in mm-hmm. class and yeah, I I just didn't like that whole experience. That was when I was getting uh, more and more disenfranchised with the uh, indoctrination techniques of that mm-hmm, particular mm-hmm, institution. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one thing to have faith in religion, and I do have that, but to be brainwashed is a completely different feeling. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this was a book that they tried to do that with, I felt. So, yeah, I hated that experience. It's funny because uh, I mean, everybody see that book, I think my brother, because my brother did. Dave was not a big reader at all. Like if it was mm-hmm. longer than a comic book. Big adulterer though, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he loved well, this book. <laughs> so no, but he, my brother, when I see he, this book. He was an amateur adulterer. <laughs> well, it was I remember it was a summer and my dad would because my dad was a big reader and he constantly got on him for not reading. Like, you have never read a novel in your life, blah blah blah. So my brother, out of spite, read this book. <laughs> I'll teach you. So when my dad said, like, you never read a book, he says, I read the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> and that's, that's the only one he's ever read from cover to cover. <laughs> so, George, this book for you, it wasn't so much you hated the book. Like me, you hated the experience around the book. Is that fair? Or I mean, you don't the know experience if you like the book. caused me to hate the book. Oh, okay. Let me say it so you have, a negative, you have negative feelings attached to it. So now yeah. it's the book. Okay. All right. All right. So those are our least favorite books and experiences. <laughs> we get back from this break. We're going to take the opposite side of the coin. What are the our favorite books or favorite experiences with required reading growing up as kids? Gen Xers, talk about it right after this. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style. And together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven minutes. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Get it together for back to school. Buy three pair of Wrangler jeans and Wrangler will send you coupons worth $6. Four pair, coupons worth $12. Five pair, coupons worth $20. Buy all cords and get an extra $10 in coupons from Wrangler. And Hills has one of the biggest selections you'll find anywhere. Quality and low price. Get it together at Hills. We got it together. Wrangler jeans. So get it together at Hills. Quality and low prices every day. No need to wait for a sale ever. 
we've gone through the books we that were just bad memories, right? So mm-hmm. let's go mm-hmm. with some books that gave us some good memories that maybe helped us learn to read at least somewhat, right? Please. So yes. Yeah, so George, let's kick it off with you. What do you got for us? Yeah, uh, for me, it was a pretty easy choice. The only book that I enjoyed reading that I was required to read outside of the Odyssey, which we've established, I probably didn't read the whole thing. Uh, but this one I definitely did. William Golding's 1954 novel, Lord of the Flies. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. to this day, it's still one of my favorite stories. I mm-hmm. still remember large amounts of it. I'm not going to say I remember it you know, perfect with eidetic memory oh, yeah. or anything like that. But what a great morality tale, uh, a societal tale, a story that gives you motivations. But I think because I read this in middle school, it was perfect timing, right? Because mm-hmm. these kids are mm-hmm. young yeah teenage kind of age right? so it was easy to relate to and you know being stranded on a desert island and forming your own society and you know the the bullies and the not bully you know just mm-hmm. the whole context related to everything i was going through at that stage of my life i think it's probably one of the best books for a young, especially adolescent male to read at that time. Because if you, if you go into it with an open mind, if somebody says, Hey, this book will help you to understand things about yourself, or if they, if they just present it to you in the right way, it can really expand your Mm -hmm. consciousness and thought process and the way you view people and the world around you. I I think it's a wonderful Mm -hmm. book. I think I love it. You know, it was well above its time, 1954, when it was written. Yeah, yeah. When I read it in the mid 80s, I was like, holy shit, this could have been written like five years ago. Yeah, it was great. for sure. Yeah, it's a good yeah. book. Yeah, I really enjoyed that book too. And it was like, I remember when the, I read it in middle school, I kept thinking, like, oh, kids wouldn't go that far that quickly, you know, in my head, you know, think, but mm-hmm. then like life, I started seeing stuff like in real life happening. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we're, we're not that far. Yeah, I, I'm fairly sure kids would. Because oh, yeah, absolutely. Now especially like I know they were British kids because mm-hmm. it was a British author and everything, but American kids with as pampered as we are, get stranded on a desert island, somebody's killing someone. That's going to happen. Somebody's getting eaten. That shit ain't going away. It's a solid story. It feels really real. It's well-written. I I think Golding knocked it out of the park with that book. John, what Mm -hmm. about your book, your favorite one? That you had to yeah. read. Well, you know, I guess I was laying groundwork early where I like things in little bites versus big chunks of stuff. Just like sure. I watched, I like watching a few little TV shows, but I won't watch a long movie, but it's the same amount of time. <laughs> when I would read Stephen King, I wouldn't read the big novels, but I would read the collections of short stories like Night Shift and stuff. Cause I've, right. I like, even though I'm reading the whole book, it's the idea that I'm, it's little bites as it feels so big to bite off. And so I think it was one summer on a list of pick a few books to read that I selected just because it had the word robot in it, iRobot by Isaac Asimov, <sighs> mm, which is book. a collection of short stories, <laughs> it right? Is, yeah. A few. And it, it so captivated me. I still enjoy anything by Asimov, whether it's reading original works or mm-hmm. reading, you know, or watching something to derive from his stuff. But the thing that continue, I continue to enjoy to this day about it is it was in that book that he laid out the rules of robotics, the three rules mm-hmm. of robotics, that it seems like everything, all fiction just automatically said, good idea, can't improve on that. And they just use it. <laughs> Star Trek right? uses it. You know, modern things uses it. And it's, I can even say them today. It's like, okay, you, you cannot harm a human. 
That's number one, basically. Yeah. You can't, your action or inaction harm a human. Right. You you have to obey okay. what a human says unless, unless it violates it, rule one. Right. And you, you have know. to protect yourself unless it violates unless. rule one or rule two. So basically, it's like this great thing. And in a world of AI that we're moving into and robots and synthetic stuff, it's all the more pertinent. You know, we just did Megan or Mathrigan or whatever that movie was no, where yeah, she did not follow the rules <laughs> was her problem. Right. But I still loved reading that. And I read it on my own terms over summer. Maybe it's the only one that I read that summer, but I think I read it twice because I went back because I'm like, oh, where was that part about the rules and stuff? I loved going through iRobot. What I love about iRobot, and you talked about the three laws, Mm -hmm. is that other books and other TV shows and movies since then, mm-hmm. they refer to those as Asimov's laws. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's what right. I love. Like <laughs> as if he wasn't writing said, fiction. He was a scientist right. that established like Newton's laws. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> in everything. It's just the Asimov's laws of robotics is what yep. we follow. And love. You love. see it in so many other things. It's paying tribute to what is arguably one of the greatest science fiction collections ever done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, he came up with the term robotics. Did yeah. he? Was that his term? Yep. That was the term he came up with. Just conjugate so. raw robot. What is it? Yep. Mo, how about you? Favorite book or experience reading for required reading? Yeah. So for me, we talked a bit about poetry. And so for me, when we started reading like stuff by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. I loved mm. everything about that. Yep, Every single one we read, you know, Telltale Heart and the, because they were so, so, so twisted, you know. They were. And they were just so, Montiato. Yeah. yeah. And, and so not <laughs> what we were reading everywhere else, yep. you know. It was and, horror. It was horror yeah. in written form and actually scared you. And it was, it was also like in your head horror too, like the mm-hmm. p- pendulum where the thing's getting closer and closer. And, and I was just thinking like, wow. And, and that and his poems and all that stuff. So anytime we, I saw a Poe on the list, I was like, yes. You know, because I knew it would be something I'd actually enjoy and read through. And I said it was pretty much any of them. Anything that we had to read from him, I was mm-hmm. really happy with. Yeah. There's some frightening stuff. The Raven, you said the Telltale oh, yeah. Heart was in mm. there. Oh, goodness. It, it, the, the, the Cask of Amontillado, did you read that mm. one? Where like, oh, yeah. you got the guy drunk, then walled him up in the cellar. But it's like, yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrifying, but it's, it's that in your head, like psychological terror that's mm-hmm. so good, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think Poe and I would have been friends. <laughs> George likes to get in our head and create terror in the long term. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> Poe would be one of Poe's books would be like, that's some bullshit. There's a few people like buried behind bullshit. the wall. <laughs> I still hear his beating heart. That's some bullshit. That's right. some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fourth listener, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you didn't fast forward to the end to do the Cliff's Notes version of this episode. <laughs> There's plenty in it uh, reminiscing that, look, I, I thought it would be kind of a dry episode. I was wrong. I, I, yeah. It just seems every time we get together, I have a great time talking with you guys about whatever it is, even if it's required reading that I didn't do all of when I was a kid. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before we leave, I want to send a thanks to another patron who, one of those people who was already a supporter and gave us a raise. Brandon G. It's just insane. He's like, yeah, a few bucks a month. And then a few months later, he's like, you know what? That wasn't enough. A few more bucks a month. Brandon, thank you for your generosity. And you're not alone. This happens to us every month or so. We get somebody that wants to do this. We're so grateful. Whether you're an existing supporter, whether you're a new supporter, we're so, so thankful that all of you have headed over to Gen X 
patreon.com slash Patreon and pledged your support. If you are not yet and would like to support us, as little as a dollar a month, you can get your name on this roster and become part of making sure we continue to do what we do every single week. So we're so grateful for you. That is going to wrap it up then for this Backtrack edition of the show. We're taking a couple of weeks here. we got some vacations coming up. We'll have a couple of rewinds coming your way, but we'll be right back in a few weeks with brand new episodes. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you we all three appreciate most of all, though. We can't wait to talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Jet X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Whoa, whoa, we get static here? Yeah, I'm getting it bad. And John's coming from you. It's all on John's. John's whole thing is fucking up. Yeah. <laughs> I think John's mic finally died. Oh, oh God, damn, that's worse. How about now? Okay, he's still I'm super whispering. loud. I can see still super loud. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to fix it. I don't know why. Hold on. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna mute. Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.